As we listen for God's word in scripture, let us offer our prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Living God, with joy we celebrate the presence of your risen word. Enliven our hearts by your Holy Spirit that we may proclaim the good news of eternal and abundant life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes to us from the Gospel of John in chapter 15, the first eight verses. Listen now for God's living word to you, the people of God. I am the true vine, and my father is the vineyard keeper. He removes any of my branches that do not produce fruit. He trims any branch that produces fruit so that it will produce even more fruit. You are already trimmed because of the word that I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Abide in me, and I will abide in you. A branch cannot produce fruit by itself, but must remain in the vine. Likewise, you cannot produce fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, then you will produce much fruit. Without me, you cannot do anything. If you do not remain in me, you will be like the branch that is thrown out and dried up. Those branches are gathered up and thrown into a fire and are burned. If you remain in me, my words remain in you. Ask whatever it is that you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified when you produce much fruit in this way to prove that you are my disciples. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. So I used to live in an apartment down the street from a house that was once owned by Albert Einstein. Sadly, it didn't make me any smarter. It did teach me some great legends and stories about the man, though. Notably, he was one who was a person of routines. He walked the same route from his house to his labs at Princeton University each day, and his closet supposedly consisted of six identical gray suits the same suit that he wore each day to work. Albert Einstein has reportedly said that he didn't want to waste any brain power on small decisions, so he wore this limited wardrobe. Now, Steve Jobs, who is the founder of Apple Computers, also kept a simple wardrobe, albeit rather different. Every day he wore to work, a black turtleneck, jeans, and the same New Balance sneakers every day. 
Job said that there is a limited capacity for decision-making, and he wanted to focus all of his energy on important decisions. Former President Barack Obama apparently had only two types of suits. Every day he either wore the gray suit or the blue suit. In an interview with the reporter Michael Lewis, Obama described his fashion choices by saying, I am trying to pare down decisions about what I wear because I have too many other decisions to make. Now, throughout our lives, we have to make all kinds of decisions. Some are big decisions, some are small decisions, some are decisions about the relationships that we cultivate or how we will receive our education or what career or vocation we will take on or the kinds of recreation that we might pursue. We make decisions about medical procedures how we or our loved ones will be cared for. We make decisions about how we give of our time, our energy, our talent, our finances, particularly when we look at how we contribute to the needs of the world. And some decisions, they end up being really small, but then turn out having a very large impact on our lives, and some decisions change us when we never expected them to have much of an impact on us at all. But the reality is, is that when we make decisions, we also make choices about how we focus on those decisions and how we arrive at making a choice. So when you have a decision to make, how do you find direction for your decision-making? When you need guidance or support or wisdom for making a decision, where do you turn? Who do you turn to? Friends or family, maybe, or a trusted colleague or a mentor from your past, or perhaps you turn to some personal experience, maybe wisdom that you've gained from similar situations in the past. Or perhaps there's a body of knowledge that comes from your field of work or, or study. Or perhaps you turn for guidance to experts, people who have that knowledge who can advise you, or professionals who might make recommendations, or communities to which you can, that you belong to that can help you find your way through a decision. Now, whatever it might be, when we make decisions, we listen for direction. We consider facts and circumstances, and we engage people and resources that, that we trust. And when we have decisions before us, what role does our faith play? What role does prayer make as a resource for our decision-making Or perhaps, what role does scripture have? When we face important decisions and we engage the potential choices through the perspective of our faith, 
Decision-making becomes reoriented as discernment. Now, when we practice discernment, it becomes a habit that, that shapes us. You see, discernment is a habit of our faith, a practice of our faith that can offer direction for our lives because it helps us remain rooted in God. Now, this spring, we've been talking in worship about sacred rhythms in a life of faith. That is to say that we are talking about the ways that we, we practice our faith or the kinds of habits that we form in a life of faith to help us more deeply be rooted to God and to be rooted in communities of faith. And today we turn to discernment and the ways that Christ and our faith can guide us in discernment. Now, discernment for a person of faith is a practice of, of listening, of, of determining, of considering what God is asking of us. Discernment reorients our posture from one of decision-making to asking a question such as, is this the direction that God desires me to go? Is this the kind of choice that God would have me make? And throughout our lives, we can ask, we can consider if our motivation is from God or if it is something out of our own expectations or wants, or if, if it's from another kind of influence in our life. And while there's not a lot of space in, in a sermon to get into the how one goes about doing discernment, there are other great spaces where we can engage and learn such practices. I do want to get closer together to the why discernment is important in our lives, and the end, toward the end of the sermon, I want to offer three examples of discernment for you. So the practice of discernment in a life of faith is rooted in our relationship with God. And in the scripture today, Jesus describes the relationship between himself and the disciples. He uses a metaphor of a vine and branches. Jesus is the vine and the disciples are the branches. Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. And branches produce fruit. And for the Gospel of John, the purpose of being a disciple, the purpose for writing this Gospel, is so that people, as they grow as branches, produce fruit that matters above and before all else, to know that there is a God, there is Jesus Christ who we can live in, can abide in, and that offers us the chance to bear fruit, which is to say for the Gospel of John, to love as God loves us. Now the branches that bear fruit are said to abide in God or to remain in God. 
And so the disciples are called to do this. Now, when Jesus uses this metaphor, this metaphor of vine and branches, he's describing a kind of mutual relationship. This mutual relationship that God offers to us, that God remains in us and we can remain in God, that God dwells with us and that we can dwell with God. For just as God knows us, we too may know God. And as we bear fruit, as we recognize this gift that comes from God through Jesus Christ, we can recognize that discernment is a way of reaching a deeper understanding of this relationship, of this abiding, of this remaining in God. Discernment might be one of the deeper practices that can bring us to abide deeply in the gift of this mutual relationship with God. Discernment can offer direction in the ways that we too might dwell with God. And it has this sense of being rooted, this sense of staying close. Abiding or remaining, dwelling means that that we are welcome to embrace God. It means that we can love as God loves. And discernment is a significant way that we are able to find our life in Christ and find the ways that we might bear fruit that God would have us bear. Perhaps the more patient or intentional that our discernment is, the stronger that our relationship with God might become. This means that as we discern God's hope, it becomes our hope as well. It means that when we meet God's desire for justice in the world through discernment, that that it can become our desire as well. When we experience God's forgiveness, such forgiveness can become ours to offer. We understand more deeply how God loves so that it becomes our way to love too. The sermon brings us close to God's desire for the world and, and when we when we receive that desire, when we begin to understand how it plays out in our lives, we bear fruit, as Jesus says. There's a teacher named Gail O'Day who asked two questions about this scripture. First, what does it mean for the church to live as branches of Christ? And second, What would the church look like if it embraced this model of vine and branches for its life together? These are important questions for a community of faith to ask because, because while I think there are many ways we could answer them, I think discernment is the resource that helps us find the direction that's required to find the way that we would uniquely answer it as a particular expression of God's faithful community here in Detroit. And when I think about the experience of doing discernment together in the church, I 
I think about my aunt and uncle. They are both very good Presbyterians, and they are also lovers of extremely complicated puzzles. They accomplish building puzzles with tiny pieces that number in the thousands. I'm, I'm still doing Ravensburger puzzles with my daughter, so I've got a ways to go to reach their level of, of complicated puzzles. But, but as they pore over these puzzles, and I've observed them do this at family reunions, they explore the complexities of the pieces, finding the ways that they fit together to make something complete. And this is what we do when the church practices discernment together. We, we lean in close to one another to listen for God. We look at all the parts that are involved, and, and even when it's confusing, we might ask God to, to guide us to find how we will put it together piece by piece. And when one doesn't work, we try another way. In order to consider how we put the puzzle together, I want to close by describing three kinds of discernment. The first one is very Presbyterian. The second is entirely foreign to Presbyterians. And the last one is personal. So first, Presbyterians. Some of you who are deeply deeply rooted in the Presbyterian church might you know that the, the church is led by a community of discernments called the session. For those who are not familiar with the Presbyterian way of, of being the church, the session is essentially the church board that is composed of elders who are nominated by a community of discernment, a committee of discernment called a nominating committee, and then are approved by you, the congregation, to do the work of discernment on the behalf of the entire congregation, to listen for God's direction, to help guide the church in its life together. Now, the pastor and the session together have conversations and spiritual reflections to do the work of the church and to make decisions, to do discernment. Now, when session gathers to do discernment, to make decisions, they work together to seek where God is leading the faith community. The, The practice of the elders on session and myself are not to lobby for our own opinions or directions or desires That's not discernment after all, but rather our our purpose is to consider where God is leading the church together, the direction that God would have the people go together. And sometimes it feels like putting a puzzle together, and other times it feels like there is a wind at our back moving along swiftly. A conversation among the elders is designed to help find our roots in God and to produce good fruit, that the church may produce good fruit, that the church may love as Christ loves. And the purpose of session is to do that discernment in order to lead the church into its worship and its mission together, just as Christ loves us.
Now, another kind of discernment that is not particularly Presbyterian, other than the fact that it involves a committee. There's some knowing Presbyterians among us. Another kind of discernment comes from the Quaker tradition. Quakers have this discernment process that's called a clearness committee. Now, in a clearness committee, a person asks their church, which in Quaker tradition is actually called a meeting, so they ask their meeting to appoint a committee to help them discern God's direction on a specific matter. Now, a clearness committee's job is to help that person discover whether there is enough clarity to move forward with that matter, or if they need to wait and listen more to know more before moving forward with that matter, or if there is actually a sense that they need to go an entirely different direction altogether. So a clearness committee, which is usually a small group of people, worships together. They listen deeply. There is a lot of listening and a lot of asking questions, and actually there's a lot of silence. This committee together, each of these people are very intentional to seek to let go of their personal egos in the matter that's in front of them. And they abide with God and they abide with one another with a lot of silence through this process. And they reflect back on what they hear from one another, what they hear from the person who's asked for the committee. And in a way, it sounds simple. Having been asked to be on a clearness committee and part of the process once before, it is complex and definitely not for the faint of heart. But it does offer an opportunity for God to powerfully open the doors of a person's life, to have God's Spirit move among them and consider questions that they may never have asked before. Lastly, a, a personal resource for discernment. It's actually one that I've used for many years. It was introduced to me by one of my first spiritual directors. It's a spiritual practice called the examine. It is a practice that was developed by Ignatius of Loyola in the 16th century and is still widely taught in Jesuit tradition and is still practiced widely by many people around the world. Now, the examine is a reflective time. It's a time of reflective prayer at the end of the day. When a person looks back and, and reviews the day that has passed, and essential to this space of prayer is to look for the places where God was active in the day, active in us, in our lives, in the people around us. And essential to it is the consideration 
that one's own self makes about how the individual responded to God in the circumstances of the day. It requires a person to be very honest with oneself. Now, in the review and the response, one of the decisions and choices involved in all the decisions and the, the choices in the reflection process, we, we ask ourselves before God what motivated us, what motivated our choices, our responses. And in reflecting on them in this space of prayer, we ask, is it God's spirit that motivated our decisions, or is it something other than God that did? And if so, if we would have made another choice if we were listening differently in the moment. Now, as a practice of discernment, the examine becomes a very deep well for abiding in Christ when it is practiced daily over many years. Over time, a person can begin to, to recognize how God is beside us when we face difficult circumstances, as well as when we face extremely joyful ones as well. The examine reveals the places where we have been listening for God's presence and places where we have ignored God's presence. It begins to reveal when we have acted out of our most faithful self as well as from a self that we did not act out of at all. But its meaning, the examine's meaning, is in, in the realization after a long period of practicing that God does truly abide with us. And God offers a deep rootedness to God's own self through Jesus Christ. And that in that rootedness, not only do we bear good fruit, but that we can discern intentionally how God would have us bear it. Now, discernment is a vital and sacred rhythm to a life of faith, whether it is in discernment in a community like being an elder on session, whether it is an intentional process for engaging a specific decision or question like is practiced in a clearness committee, or in the personal rhythm of daily prayer where discernment requires our continual attention and regular practice an intentional commitment to listening for where God is acting in our lives. Regardless of the way we do our discernment, in the act of doing discernment, we experience and we know that we are called to bear fruit and are capable of bearing much as disciples of Jesus Christ. We've been given a gift that allows us to listen and abide. And Jesus is willing to be the vine that nourishes us as branches to bear fruit, to bear Christ's love in the world. 
And so however you do go about your discernment in your life, may you know the movement of God's Spirit in your practice, in your habits, in the sacred rhythms that guide you as branches close to the vine. May that Spirit guide you today and always. Amen.